Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Creative Control with Bish Julie Duaron is on the program today. She is reuniting, in a way, with a band she collaborated with, The Wooden Stars who are mostly quite dormant as far as I know, but they're getting together to play some shows in August, and Julie wrote to me to say, like, hey, I want to get the word out about this. Do you want to, can I, can we do something? And I said, yes, absolutely. Julie and I have spoken many, many times. Conversations are always kind of freewheeling. Uh, this one is no different. I, I think it's a fun, insightful one, just mostly focused well, I shouldn't say mostly focused. It's not really that focused, but it's pretty focused. It's kind of focused. You'll see. Julie Duaron and the Wooden Stars are playing. You should go see them. There's more information coming. You're going to hear uh, a little bit of a song called Sweeter on the episode, and you're also going to hear uh, another song at the end. I won't spoil the surprise. So here it is. The great Julie Duaron. Pal of mine. Great lady. She's a great lady. Here she is. Julie Duaron. Hillside is less than a month away, and in case you forgot to buy your tickets, don't worry. Single-day tickets are still available for Friday, July 25th and Sunday, July 27th. Come be part of an engaging weekend of music, art, community, and celebration featuring artists such as Tegan and Sarah, Fortet, Baja Bulat, Hey Rosetta, various spoken word performers, children's music, neighborhood organizations, craft and food vendors, workshops, and much, much more. Tickets are available online at www.ticketbreak.ca and also at retailers across southern Ontario such as The Bookshelf and The Beat Goes On here in Guelph, Soundscapes in Toronto, and Encore Records in Kitchener. Hillside is a physically accessible event. Get your tickets before they are gone as you do not want to miss out on this year's Hillside experience.
Julie Duaron is a talented and prolific singer, musician, and songwriter based in Sackville, New Brunswick. She first gained attention in the world-renowned band Eric's Trip before going solo for a successful and busy trajectory of her own. Over the years, she's worked with many people and contributed to records by Daniel Romano, Mount Erie, Gord Downey, Shotgun and Jaybird, Herman Dune, Baby Eagle, and many more. Among her most notable collaborations was with the Wooden Stars. They released a self-titled record together in 1999, which was critically acclaimed and won a Juno Award, one of the first instances that Canada's mainstream music industry acknowledged this country's underground music community, which flourished in the 1990s. Many years later, Julie Duaron and the Wooden Stars are playing a small run of shows together this August at the Arboretum Festival in Ottawa, the Horseshoe in Toronto, the Salarosa in Montreal, and the Peterborough Folk Festival. Here now to discuss this further is Julie Duaron. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Bish. How are you? I'm okay. I biked home to get to this interview, and I, it was a, there was a rainstorm. <gasps> yeah. Are you okay? Are I'm you okay? okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I was soaked. It's the second time it's happened in the last couple of weeks, and I just got soaked, and it's very uncomfortable. A lot of hills. Oh, no. Yeah, it is what it is. But otherwise, I'm fine. How? Where are you? Where are you? Well, we're in Sackville. Sorry, Sackville, New Brunswick. <laughs> in your new home. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love being here. Nice. It's great. Now, I want we, we just to touch on the weather for a second. I, it Sackville's a very windy city at the best of times, but it's been super windy the last couple of days. I guess we're anticipating this hurricane that's coming up, and it's been really, really windy because we live really close to the Bay of Fundy where we are. And uh, we just put in a garden a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm obsessing over the all the plants being constantly blown one way. So that's where I'm at right now, just kind of obsessing with the garden. Yeah. There's worse things that, like, you know, that's not even that bad. They still look fine. But uh, so right now, super hot and sunny, just super windy. And we're supposed to get a bunch of rain starting tomorrow. So oh. I guess our rain's coming. Yeah. you Maybe we have your rain and it's on its way. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I seem to recall when I lived in Toronto and Montreal, they always got it. Like for some reason, it would, I think when I would speak with my mom, it always hit the Maritimes the day after. Yeah. When we speak mm-hmm. to my in-laws in Alberta, it takes a few days, but we always get their weather. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's a wind currents. We're not smart enough for this, but I think it's a wind currents <laughs> thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a wind currents thing. <laughs> That's the, the, the moon. I'm just blaming the moon. I'm working on a, a paper right now. It, the title of the paper is The Wind Currents Thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's an academic paper. I'm going to present it at a colloquium or something. I think it's going to go over really well with the with today's. I think it's going to go over great. <laughs> great. I'm glad you think so. Now, I should say, Julie, you and I are on Skype. You're breaking up a little bit, but now it's you okay. kind of coming here and there. I think we, we'll, you and I, will reevaluate this. This could also be part of the wind currents thing. Mm-hmm. And, and if we, if I find that it's too choppy, we may hang up and try again. This this has worked for me in the past. Okay, I'm trying to figure out like if it's I'm trying to figure out how to hold my phone. I don't know. I'm like I'm that person who still like taps the computer five times each time I do a send thing. <laughs> it's like I feel like if I just, you know, I'll get the right reception if I just kind of find the but it's probably not the case. No, sometimes that works. I mean, sometimes if you sit right next to your modem or something, that might help too. It's just a uh, little it's a little choppy, but it's okay. We're going to we'll, we'll Well, here I you sound really good right now, so I'm not moving. I'm I'm just 
pointing to the corner of my kitchen. It seems like this is better. Yeah. Yeah, you sound pretty good too. So let's okay. let's let's have a conversation and see how we go and we'll the people listening will know that in the event that we have to rejig this, we will. But I, I wanna <laughs> I wanna ask you first off the obvious question, why are you playing with the wooden stars again? I think it's because I think I believe it's the 15th anniversary of the album release. So when it was first released, um, a few years ago, I started to realize that, uh, well, like the album came out in 1999 and I sort of tossed the idea around. I I ran into Andrew McCormick, the drummer last fall and mentioned like that. I thought it'd be fun to maybe do some shows because, Coming on September, it would be the, yeah, the anniversary, the 15th anniversary of the release, the original release of the album. And uh, he thought that would be fun. And then, like, a couple months ago or a month ago, maybe two months ago, I got him an email from Andrew saying he spoke to the other guys about the idea and everyone was into it. And uh, and should we try this? And it all kind of came together super fast. Like, um, yeah, we made it happen, like, in a week it all got booked, like, really quickly. <laughs> so yeah, it's just like it's good. Awesome. I'm so excited, but that's why we're doing it. I, I guess just to celebrate the record. It's a pretty remarkable thing that you're doing because, as far as I know, the Wooden Stars don't actually exist as a band anymore. Yeah, like I guess I'm not really sure about that. I mean, even when they kind of stopped playing the first time, I don't think it was ever like when they stopped playing in 2000 or 2001 or whenever it was like around then. Um, I, th- I think it was like sort of an indefinite, like no one had ever said like, oh, whatever. And then they put out Blur Different in 2007 or 8, and then they did touring, and then but they haven't done anything since. But I don't know that they've actually, I don't know that they've ever said like, oh, we've broken up. I'm I'm not sure. Hmm. I haven't, should have, should I have asked them that before this interview? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I, I, status. But, you know, to be fair, yeah, to, like you're right, like they didn't as a band right now I mean Mike Fierstack is super busy as a musician and and everyone uh, is really busy doing stuff but um, in terms of like wooden stars um, yeah you're right I don't believe they're playing as a band well they're not yeah I I would know if they had done some shows recently I'm sure absolutely now (laughs) speaking of breaking up you were breaking up a little bit there so I think I think we're going to re-Skype and if that if that fails I'm going to oh, make boy. the call that we're going to make this a phone call. I just, I thought it would be nice if we could see each other and hear each other via Skype. Well, do you want me to try and move into a different room? Like here, do you want me to go closer to the modem? I'm walking to the modem. Okay, you go to the modem, but I do think yeah. that sometimes when you kind of just, you know how every problem now is just like, did you reboot it? If you ask anyone about anything, <laughs> they're like, did you unplug it? Did you turn it off and on? That's like the solution to everything. <laughs> I know. So I feel like we should try that at least once. Because oh, this happened, uh, I'll, I'm not name dropping, but this exact situation happened with Lee Ronaldo. He was huh? in Brazil, I was here, and it was yeah. breaking up, and I said, Lee, I'm just going to hang up and call you back, work like a charm the rest of the time. Hmm. So it's just a thing. I think sometimes, you know, you're on a bad connection, and then it's never going to be good. Okay. But, but I do think you being near a modem, it's just fun oh. to think that you're near a modem. I don't know I'm why. So, I'm so close. I'm about one foot and a half away from my modem right now. Okay. It's I'm, very, I'm practically it's, on the modem. <laughs> Don't get on the modem. It's not good for anyone. All right, you st- let's just. I'm gonna let's hang up, and I'm gonna call you right back. Okay. 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 You call me. I'll wait. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Bye. Unbelievable technical problems. All right. Let's try. Let's try calling Julie back. 
using this thing. Because we tried. tried. Hello? Hey, Julie. Can you hear me? Hello. Hi, Julie. Can you, Hello. can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, that was weird. Yeah. All right, I don't know. This is it's good. weird. This technology is kind. Of, it's mind blowing that it works at all. Yeah, exactly. I'm not complaining about it. I was just. <laughs> no, I know. It always blows my mind, though. I'm always like, "Why isn't this sending?" And then I realize, like, "Wait a minute! I can't. It's like crazy." <laughs> yeah, there's a Louis C.K. joke in there somewhere. I know, I know. Actually, I've seen that episode, and I feel like, or doesn't he do that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a stand-up bit. Yeah, he does a yeah. bit about how we're all complaining about. We live in the most amazing time in the world, but we I all know. complain about it constantly. Yeah. 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 And I'm not complaining. It's just that I, in fact. I think what I'm doing is problem solving. I observed the issue and I said, look, if we try again, it might work better. And so far, this feels better. Oh, it definitely feels good. I feel like the, I, you weren't even choppy the first time for me. So I'm in the clear here. Yeah, and you're closer. You're sitting on your modem. So <laughs> The only thing between me and the modem is a speaker. There you go. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> now, we were talking about the Wooden Stars. Their yeah. uh, status, which is indefinite hiatus sort of mode, it seems to be. Uh, I but your connection to the band is essentially Mike Fierstack, right? Yeah, that's so. That's yes. So back, do you want a little history of that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I was curious because I I know a little bit, obviously, because I've written yeah. about both of you extensively, and I I was wondering if you grew up with Michael Fierstack, or and I assume maybe this is the road you're going down right now. Please continue. <laughs> well, you know, so Michael grew up in he lived in Moncton until he was about sixteen, and so. I didn't really meet him until he moved away to to Ottawa. Well, to Elmer, Quebec was where they had moved to, actually. But I don't know if that's a fact. I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I I mean, I don't know if he's <laughs> I don't know if he's like an, considered Ottawa or. But anyway, when he first moved away, they had moved to Elmer, and um, I didn't meet him until then. But I had heard of Mike Fierstack when I was in junior high. I remember some girls talking about him. Um, <laughs> I guess skateboarders had a bit of a, you know, girls liked it at the time. It was grade nine. I heard some. I overheard some of the grade nine girls talking about Mike Fierstack. Hmm. Um, but uh, but then I didn't meet him until I was hanging out with Rick um, and some other friends, uh, and then they wanted to go visit him in Ottawa to go see, like just because they hadn't seen him in a year or whatever. And then I somehow ended up going along, and that's when I met Mike. And uh, yeah, it was great. We what I think we've. You know, it was a really nice connection, and we did a lot of singing and stuff, and it was, it's been really nice. And so we were like 17 years old at the time. So, yeah, I met him when I was 17. And then sometime in the early 90s, when, um, like, uh, I was going to Ottawa and I sort of met the rest of the band, I think even at the time it might have been Rufus Wheeler, which was Mike and Julian pre Wooden Stars, but I think I had. Maybe I never saw them. I'm not sure. But I remember having a set that they had done. But anyways, and then, yeah, um, uh, I my connection to the band is definitely through Mike. And I think I saw the Wooden Stars play for the first time in, I want to say, 93. But maybe winter 94. But I know I was at one of their shows, and I know I'm pretty sure it was the Wooden Stars. <laughs> okay. And, and so you mentioned Rick there. You're referring to yeah. Rick White of Eric Strip as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, of course. Doesn't everybody know that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just saying no, no, as just general kidding. audience. Okay. So, your, so Rick White. Your, uh, you met Mike. Was When you met Mike, was it before or after Mike and Rick played together in hardcore punk bands? It was after. 
Okay, so Rick knew Mike, and your connection yeah. to Mike is basically through Rick. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know well, that. Rick and John, like a bunch of people. Like, um, I wasn't dating Rick at the time when I met Mike, but it's a big gang. Okay. The, like a skateboarding gang, basically. But you would not have seen their band. I didn't see the underdogs until after Mike moved away and they had a new singer. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you never, you didn't know, you knew of Mike and you knew he played a bit of music, <laughs> but you didn't know what context kind of. I I knew what they sounded like, but I hadn't seen them perform. Uh, like I had heard them, like, cause at this point I was hanging out with Rick and them. So I'd heard the band and I had heard the underdogs. Um, but I had, I didn't have the fortune to see them play in their heyday. Hmm. In the- <laughs> There's probably going to be a reunion or a reissue at some point. That's what everyone's doing now. You know, I say, why not? <laughs> exactly. Why not? If it's fun, if you're doing it because you, if it's fun, then I say do it. Yep. If, if it's, if the reasons are true and the intent is like honest, then I think that it's, it's totally fine. And in fact, I think it should be encouraged because sometimes bands break up for weird reasons and, and uh, or they just stop playing for that's where they're at at that time. And it doesn't mean they didn't like playing music together or it doesn't mean that they don't like each other. It just means that it wasn't happening at that time mm-hmm. for some reason. And if they like each other as people and if they want to play music, I say go for it. So if you're, you're doing it just for the money or whatever, then maybe that's a bad choice. But you're, you're so you're, you're generally not cynical of such things. I think maybe when, when, maybe probably when like the first three bands who did reunions started doing reunions, I was like, oh wow, they're doing, (laughs) maybe I did that. I don't even know. I don't remember. But I think I'm not so cynical of that. If, if, if the band was really great and they like each other as people and they want to play music together, then it makes sense. If they're doing it for other reasons, I'm not sure that it's a good idea. Right. All right. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So how, how did, so you, okay. So your friendship with Mike. Mm-hmm. Led you to the Wooden Stars. You saw them. You mm-hmm. say in ninety three, ninety four. How did? And then Eric's trip broke up around ninety five. Yeah, I can say I'm pretty sure. I remember being at a show. It was the winter of ninety four. Okay. In Ottawa. And so Eric's trip broke up around ninety five, ninety six. Eric's trip broke up in May ninety six. Ninety six, right? Mm-hmm. So and you were doing solo stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. How did the working relationship with the Wooden Stars begin beyond? the fact that you had this connection to Mike. Okay, so I, at the time I was running Sappy Records, and uh, we, were, uh, we were on a Sappy tour, a cross-Canada Sappy tour. So it was, um, I know that I was playing, I guess it was Broken Girl. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I just said that out loud. And then... Um, you have an aversion to saying your old moniker? Yeah, I hated it the whole time. I don't know why I ever chose that moniker. Hmm. It was fun for like two weeks, and then. <laughs> well, you you were, as I recall, and I wasn't there, but as I recall asking you this before, uh-huh. you, you were you were sad. You were going through a tough time, yes. and Broken Girl seemed to signify that. Yeah, wow, you have a really good memory because I'm pretty sure that's pretty much almost verbatim. <laughs> well, I did do a little bit of research before we started talking. Not so much about FaceTime and Skype and other things, but I did some Julie Dwaran research for sure. Yeah, no, well, I mean, and, and and people may not know this, but I wrote a really extensive like Eric's trip timeline. I mean, that's the timeline I remember for Exclaim Magazine, and people seem to most people seem to like it, and yeah. and and, and uh, thought it was a pretty extensive history. So I. In preparation for this, I will say that yeah, I, I reread just passages that might be relevant to this time. You see? Okay. Yeah. So, 
So then I'll try not to go off track here. So No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was a sappy tour. It was in 1996. It was across Canada and it was Broken Girls, Snail House, and Orange Glass. Mm-hmm pretty sure and so we did this like five week cross Canada tour and and I remember uh, John Clater with whom I was running the label at the time uh, he had just gotten a copy of Mardi Gras so the Wooden Stars Mardi Gras record and um, we put it on somewhere in northern Ontario and listened to it a lot in the car and um, we really wanted to put it out. So we talked to them about it and they let us put it out. And then, so then the next year in 1997, we only did a two week sappy tour. It was in Ontario and Quebec pretty much. And during that tour, we got the wooden stars on it because we had just put out Mardi Gras. And uh, so I did two weeks with them. And during that tour, we did like, I think they joined me for like one song. I think we were playing like so fast together or something like that. And then, I mean, the song so fast. Right. <laughs> and then, like, um, my album was about to come out on Sub Pop. I had just recorded it in Memphis, and um, it was going to come out on Sub Pop in August. And as John and I were driving back home from the tour, we were sort of brainstorming and came up with the idea that I didn't think I could afford the whole band. And that idea didn't even really seem feasible. So I just, when I got home, I called Mike and left a voicemail and uh or whatever message on his machine saying like or maybe I talked to him about it actually on the tour and I said would you want to be in my backing band for like this you know North American touring that I have to do for the Mm -hmm. sub pop record um maybe you and and Andrew on drums or something so like I was just putting together like a little three-piece I was trying to find a, a sort of economical way to do it and when I got home that's what it was when I got home there was a message on my answer machine saying that Mike had talked to the guys about it and the whole band wanted to do it so I got the whole band they all wanted to be in it and um, so then yeah a few weeks later I went up to Ottawa we rehearsed for three days and did our first show and then toured for five weeks and um, or whatever it was and uh, it was great it was kind of an I think for a lot of people it was really difficult to imagine uh, someone as quiet as myself performing with with the wooden stars because at the time they were pretty like their their sound was very different from what I was doing Mm -hmm. so um, I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by the the pairing of the two but I think it worked really really well so. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned your record for Sub Pop. Uh, it's my my understanding is that Sub Pop was quite interested in the Wooden Stars at one point as well. That's very true. Sub Pop tried to sign them, uh, and they 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 kind of like pretty. They went after them for quite a while, and they I think they even counter offered like when Sub Pop first said no, but they still. I mean, sorry, not when Sub Pop, but when Wooden Stars said no, but. Um, they yeah they were really really into the wind stars. In fact, Joyce Linehan, who was my A and R person at the time, I'm pretty sure she had actually suggested that I ask the wooden stars, and I was like, "That's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> Joyce Joyce was a big fan, and she thought you two she saw something between you two. Yeah yeah. So it, I guess I have Joyce to thank. I should call her. <laughs> <laughs> All these years later, I can see it clearly now. She she deserves a, a thank you. She's in like uh she's in like politics or something now. Oh, I didn't know. See, like I kind of lost touch with a lot of people, so I I'm curious. Now I'm I want to reach out for sure and I see. Think, I, th- yeah, I, th- I think she'd be really good at that. Yeah, I think she works in like somebody's office who's like an ele- elected official or something. That's my take on where I I know this from Facebook. I'll admit it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so there you go. Okay, so that's how the relationship began. And then, as I, uh, uh, to my knowledge, you made the first record over like Christmas and New Year's mm-hmm. of 1998? Yep, so I think we, it was uh, around December 27th or 28th is when we started, and then it went, we were all together at the studio during New Year's Eve and stuff, and then I think it was done like, I don't remember what day. So we were in like sort of the Fredericton area, like over like almost a two week period. Yeah. From, so just after Christmas, right. New Year's. Yeah. And you mentioned that some people, including I think yourself were a little like, how is this going to make sense? These two entities kind of collaborating. Uh, you did the tour, you worked together that way. So you did kind of road work. Were you, were you mm-hmm. kind of road working the material that you were going to record? Uh, the material that we ended up doing for the Julie Duaron and the Wooden Stars album ended up coming after this, like the touring that we we did. So for the Sub Pop record, the touring happened in like August and November of 1997. And then we didn't play together for quite a while. And I wrote most of the songs all through 1998. So, and then I ended up, I think... I didn't actually expect to necessarily do the album with them, but then I think when I sent the demos, or no, I did want to do the album with them. Yeah, and I just sent them demos. And so, no, we didn't We didn't really play any of those songs live. They all kind of came together for the record, actually. Okay, so you sent demos of essentially you and... Or when I say demos, I mean a cassette of me playing on a cassette player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <So. laughs> I don't think they were actually... There wasn't really like... Let's, let's recap here. It wasn't from studio demos. <laughs> oh, okay. You just made... And it was what, you and a guitar? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, here's the songs that I'm working on. <laughs> and they, they chose... They figured out how to flesh them out on their own kind of thing. Yeah, you know, when I think back... Because I had written a bunch of the songs that I wrote... Yeah, so I think we ended up picking those ones specifically because then right after that was done, I recorded the the EP, the Will You Still Love Me EP, which I did like basically two days after we finished the album. And so those songs were reserved for the EP. Um, no, I don't know. I just kind of let them do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I guess we must have gotten together to play them, but I don't recall playing. Other than Sweeter, I think like there's a few that we had done on the touring, like... No, no, Sweeter came together. Hmm. I don't know. I should have thought about this before the interview. I don't remember. No, no, it's fine. I don't hmm. you don't have to get defensive about it for crying out loud. I'm just asking you <laughs> some questions. <laughs> no, no, I'm not defensive. I'm just trying to remember how like cuz I know that there was this one little weird show I had to go play CMJ mm-hmm. in the fall of I guess it would have been 1998, and it was just me and then Andrew McCormick on drums and Josh on bass, Josh Latour on bass. So half of the Wooden Stars, just the rhythm section, and we went down. and I think we played a bunch of those new songs before the other guys had ever played them, but we oh. did them as like a trio, a trio, or a trio. Trio is kind of fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's the English version, I guess, of that <laughs> word. Um, yeah, now it's coming back to me. But we played this weird show at CMJ. Like, we, we played, you know, the guy, it was interesting because it was um, G.E. Smith. Um, <laughs> his wife's band played right before us, and he was accompanying her. It was an interesting show. <laughs> I uh, I didn't mean to chuckle. I think chuck- it was jazz. I didn't mean to chuckle. G.E. Smith uh, used to be the band leader on SNL, and he kind of had a somewhat 
for a comedy show, he had kind of an unintentionally comical presence. Well, it was just like it was just an interesting like it was an interesting double bill. Like I, I mean, you know those CMJ things or whatever, all those music sort of conference things. Like you just kind of get put yeah. wherever half the time, and so like they were pretty jazzy, if I were, or folk. I don't even remember, but I know that the two genres didn't really necessarily go together. Did you interact with them much? I don't think so. I don't recall having any interaction. Huh. I recall I have I was given a PV rage to play through, and <laughs> it, it wasn't working most of the time, and I kept having to kick it during my CMJ show, and so that was disappointing. It, but that's kind of happened to me all throughout my career, where I've had pedals that I've had to kick on a regular basis to make them work. So I guess that was sort of I should have known. I should have. You know, I don't know if uh, you tried this, but uh, maybe in the future you, you could try rebooting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be the equivalent of be removing the battery and putting it back in, I suppose. Just re- or- just reboot it. Anything reboot. that goes wrong, if you make like a fried egg and it's bad, just reboot it. Yeah. I think that's how we're supposed to function now. All right, so <laughs> this was your first real band experience after Eric's trip ended, right? That's true, yeah. yeah. Playing with the Wooden Stars was my first definite band experience after the after the breakup of Eric's trip. What were some of the differences between the two? It was a completely different, uh, I'm sure you can imagine, it's like, uh, first of all, the musical styles are completely different, but just the way that, um, like, they, like, Eric Strip didn't really necessarily used to practice, like, the way that some bands do, so, like, we would get together and just jam, mm-hmm. and I guess we were doing it a couple times a week, so we definitely did it, and it was fun, but we didn't ever, like, rehearse, like, we wouldn't call that you know, like, I don't think we ever treated it as like work or a job or anything. But and I'm not saying that that's what the Wooden Stars did necessarily either. But when I got together to play with them, I guess I treated it more seriously. Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned a lot, like, I just kind of learned so much by how talented they were as musicians that it it instantly made me want to practice all the time. So I actually sort of thanks to them, actually learned how to play guitar, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I think they are a huge reason why I play the way I play today because when I was in high school, I did do classical guitar for like a year and a half. So I did know how to finger pick and stuff. I learned that then. But then when I joined Eric's Trip, I just started doing like really loose power chords and I kind of stopped finger picking and I just kind of was playing a very minimalist guitar style. And it was when I started playing with the Wooden Stars because they were so good and such like they kind of blew my mind that I actually wanted it forced me to just sort of find some like it made me want to be better so mm. I actually started playing all the time and I, I started fingering like finger picking again and it kind of made me sort of develop I, I guess the style that I still kind of have now so um and so yeah I guess I'm pretty grateful for they just were really inspiring so was it was in it, terms of playing with them it was pretty different too because they were they're just different people. It's just a different style of playing. Yeah, I was curious about it because, as far as I can recall, Eric's Trip was your first band, um, mm-hmm. and you the the band developed in a very organic way, where you just did everything yourselves, and, mm-hmm. and there wasn't any real intent behind it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was really just to. It it all came together. 
Well, you know what? When Rick and I first started hanging out, um, we did have one other little band called The Forest. Well, it started out as a three-piece. Oh, um, right, 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 and right. Then, and then they got me to join them as a singer. So I just and we made like a six-song EP, and I was just the singer. But I had we. I don't think we ever performed live. That we wait, did. Wait a second. Weren't you dating the other guy in The Forest? Yeah, I guess I was. And didn't Rick try to get him and you in the band so that he could get to you? I don't know. Did he say that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I just remember. This is just salacious rumor oh, mongering. You should just take this interview to like a whole other place. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I just remember something about the forest. You say the forest and it, it's bringing back memories. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. we were teenagers. Yes. What can you do? It wasn't malicious. It was just like he had a crush on you. And then he was like, maybe if I can get, I maybe I'm totally <laughs> misremembering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, it worked out. It did. <laughs> I, I I was like my daughter's age, Charlotte. Like I was seventeen. That's which what, is crazy to think that Charlotte's seventeen. Which so for those who are listening to this, <laughs> Charlotte is my daughter, my seventeen-year-old daughter. Right. And it's shocking to think that I was that age once when I think back. Yeah. But, uh, and you were you were what when you were in Eric's trip? You were what eight? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase or something yeah so we started eric's trip when i was 18 and the whole sort of impetus was that i really 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 wanted to buy and at this point i had already been playing acoustic guitar for quite a while and i played classical and stuff and then i really really wanted to get an electric guitar and i said to rick like i really want to get an electric guitar but i don't want to just like play electric guitar in my bedroom all by myself all the time and he's like well we should start a band and and that's how we started eric's trip Right. Okay. So and and so the band. So you went from that very formative experience to just playing with a bunch of, I would say, and this is no comparison. I'm not trying to compare the two bands. You said it yourself. They're very different. But mm-hmm. I would think the Wooden Stars had a more studious approach or something. Like their 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 parts were very. I don't know. Everything was really tight. Eric Strip had a looseness to it in a sense. It was very oh, powerful, but very loose. Yeah. And the wind stars were kind of what we would call mathematical almost. Yeah, like even though I don't think they really enjoy that term. No, I no one does. I just I'm I'm not saying they were math rock. I'm just saying Yeah, like I don't know where where they were coming out of necessarily like what I know that that people sometimes misunderstand the wooden stars sound like I think that sometimes they think that they're a lot more sort of proggy or math than they actually want it to be or were, mm. but um, but I think it's, but there I think they're, I I I don't know how to describe because I want to say structured, but there were times where they really weren't structured. They're just really good at 
playing their instruments and and they could just improvise spontaneously and uh and I don't know maybe yeah. studious studious might be the right word I mean they were all I don't know well I, you, we also kind of talked about how and I and I'm saying this as an umbrella term that Eric Strip didn't necessarily have intention to it. Mm-hmm. This was a very, like, goal-oriented project. Like, you know, you demos mm-hmm. were passed around. I don't <laughs> know if that actually happened with Eric Strip. I have no idea. But, I mean, it was just sort of like, we're going to work on this album. And, mm-hmm. and and it was a project-oriented thing. And I think that was maybe new for you as much as it... it was that new for you? Yeah, I think so. Because with Eric Strip, we just used to play each other the songs... At the practice. Yeah. I mean, some days people, like, Chris and Rick really liked home record, like recording on their four tracks. So sometimes they would record the songs and then decide that we wanted to do, the, do them with the band as well. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. There was no strict, there was no one way that we did things. And and same with the Wooden Stars. Like, when I think back of the, the way we made the album, like, I think that even though we hadn't played together for that whole year and we weren't really playing together anymore, I think that everyone felt that it was such a special thing that we had during those like two tours that we had done through North America mm-hmm. that I think everyone agreed that we needed to make an album together. of Because the songs we were touring for before were songs that I had recorded previous to playing with them. So... They they sounded really good live, but they didn't sound anything like the album. So I think we wanted to make an album, like a collaboration, just to sort of honor what we had done together. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. And then, so you took this sort of personal enterprise, I guess, and you put it out into the world. It's received rather well. What did you make of the album's reception? Were you surprised by how much people seem to really, really uh, gravitate towards what you've done? It's hard to remember exactly how I felt 15 years ago. I'm I'm trying to remember if I was surprised, but I don't think so because it seemed like the responses we were getting when we were playing live were really, really nice responses. So I think that I don't think I was surprised that it was getting a good response because of the response we had gotten live. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that if like there had been no one at the shows, I wouldn't have been able to gauge, but there were people at the shows and people seemed to really like it live. So I think people were really excited when the album came out. Cause, um, just, yeah, I don't know if I was surprised. I think I was thrilled, but, um, I, I don't think I was surprised cause I think I truly believed it was a really good record. Sure. Sure. But <laughs> so I mean, I, I, it'd be I, I, a shame for me to go like, I was shocked that anyone would like it because I actually really believed it was a really nice record. And so I was just, I guess, thrilled that other people thought so too. Well, part of the, part of the reception included a Juno award, um, which as I mentioned in my introduction was kind of a shock for some people, just that pe- not because of the fact that you two were the people who loved you and the wooden stars were like, this is amazing that, like we know that these two people or these two things are great. We are surprised that people at the Junos would think that. Well, yeah, and it beat out. I mean, the, it was a pretty like the category. I believe Thresh Hermit was in the category, and uh, let's see, there was Thresh Hermit and Len, and I think Danko Jones, and um, I'm trying to remember there was someone else. Hmm. But I think that people were really surprised, like because I think it was Clayton Park, and I think that that. Like I think that people were really surprised that we won, hmm. and maybe it was one of those things where like we split the vote. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. 
I wasn't there during the voting. I just, it was just the one of the frustrating things. Like, it obviously was really exciting to win. Um, I wasn't there because um, I was I was on the last night of a tour that I'd done opening for a band. Like, I was on like a one month long North uh, sort of American tour, and it finished on the night of the Junos uh, on the night like. Because the Junos happened on two separate nights, right? And the the night that they were doing our award was on the Saturday night, and then like the big televised version that everyone sees is on the Sunday night. And so the tour's last show was like on the night where they were giving out the award for this category. So I missed. I wasn't able to go. So the only band member who went was Josh Latour, who was the bass player. He, he was the only one there. He accepted the award on our behalf. Um, he had, I, he had a good time, as I understand. He apparently had a great time, from what I heard. I think he was able to get into all the parties. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I, he bore a striking resemblance to Dave Grohl at the time. Oh, <laughs> if, nice. if I recall. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so and unfortunately, and this is one of the more frustrating. I mean, there's a list of things that I've done maybe frustratingly wrong in my career, but one of the things that had happened was that I put the record out on Sappy Records and it was, we had done 3000 copies, which was the biggest pressing we had ever done at Sappy. But, um, it, the record was out of, like we ran out of albums or we ran out of CDs rather. And, and I didn't have any money left to repress it and then won the Juno. Mm. So, so I lost this awesome opportunity where I won a Juno and I didn't have any money sort of to, for marketing because I put it on myself and I didn't have any money to repress. So it was like, oh, I won a Juno and cut. <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. But, you know, at least it, it went a long way in terms of like getting grants and things like once you have a Juno, it kind of gives you some opportunities, I guess, that you're taking a little more seriously in the in the business. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did have a, a pretty strong impact. I still have a strong memory of seeing your band play some, was it a New Year's Eve event that the Tragically Hip had organized? Yeah, it was for the turn of the millennium. And oh. it was at the ACC, yeah, the Air Canada Centre. Uh, and they did two shows. It was one on the eve and then one of the day of January 1st. So we played the daytime one. The New Year's Day. Yeah, and we were like, uh, sorry, when I say the New Year's Day, we but we were on like at 2 p.m. or something. <laughs> was it that early? I remember going and seeing it. It was really early. I think there was only like 10,000 people in the room at the time, or oh, I don't know, 8,000. Only 10,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it holds 40, right? 40,000. So by the time the no, church... No, it, it, it does not hold... The ACC? I'm no, pretty sure. No, it holds like 18,000. Oh, well then maybe there was, whatever, there was like a fourth of that then. Yeah. I remember it was a bit smaller until, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And so, yeah, so it was actually like, it was like Sarah Harmer played first and then we played. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. We played 20 minutes. It was like the fastest 20 minutes I think I had ever played. I think we did, although that being said, we only did seven songs. Does that add up? Yeah. 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 Or am I thinking back to, there was an Eric's Trip show. Oh, it was open when Eric's Trip opened for Sonic Youth. That was 20 minutes. Anyway, I think they were both 20-minute sets. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I what, think they were both really fast. <laughs> the life of an opener, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to play quickly. Well, that's, that, no, it's good. I just I remember seeing that. That was like, that might have been the only time I saw the, the, the you two together. Well, and you know what's interesting is that that was the last performance we did together. Oh, weird. 
Yeah, and 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 maybe I feel, and I don't quote me, and I don't actually know, actually, and I shouldn't even say this, but I feel like it was the last time the Wooden Stars had played together for quite a while too. I don't know, but I know that it was the last time I've played with them. It is that show that your only show you saw was the <laughs> last time I've played with them. Wow. Okay. So I was gonna. My next question was: Did you ever work with the Wooden Stars again after the record came out? In no capacity did you play together or collaborate? So we did, so the album came out in like September 1999, or August or September, and then we did um, like Halifax Pop Explosion, like we did like, I I feel like we only did like five shows or something, it was like out east, we did the Pop Explosion, we did like Moncton, Fredericton, and I don't know where else we played, but I know that that's about it, I think. Okay, so I was pretty, I guess it was good timing. I'm glad I got to see what I, you, that was one of very few shows. Yeah, so like we just did a few shows when the record came out, and then we did that Millennium show, and then that was it. So, obviously the, so yeah, okay. So this, this, uh, this collaboration is a little, it's not tumultuous, but it just is sporadic. It happens very occasionally. You've made these plans to play these shows. You have not spoken further of any other plans to record together again. No, but I didn't even think of that till you just <laughs> No, like, you know, honestly all we've spoken about is these shows and um and I I feel like when we get together and we play, I think we'll see whether like I don't like to plan too far ahead right now, although I'm starting to get pretty organized these days. But um, <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like there could be some potential. You know, you just got me excited. Like I didn't even think of the idea of trying to record another project with them. Like I have so many things on the go, kind of in my mind right now, and and there's a few like forthcoming projects that I have to work on. But like that's a great idea. <laughs> wow! All right, so you heard it here first. You know, it's like not even that shocking, but. <laughs> Like you said that, it's just I. Right now, all I was thinking about was those four shows, and I, I didn't even like. I guess you know why I'm so surprised at the ideas that I haven't really been writing lately. I've only, I only have two new songs on the go, so I guess that I haven't thought like, oh, we got to record a record because I only have those two songs yeah. right now. No, that makes sense, but it does seem interesting that so much went right with the making of this album. I mean, other than the fact that you ran out of copies, but I mean. <laughs> in some ways, running out of copies is a good problem to have, but, um, uh, you know, selling out of a run of uh, records. But, I mean, yeah, it just seems like everything worked really well. You know, it's people you get along with. Mm -hmm. It's funny that in the 15 years since, you haven't really worked together. Well, you know, I think like uh, some people went to school and people got busy and got jobs and uh, everyone has, like, their lives going on. And I think that... Uh, they weren't really necessary. Not everyone in the band was pursuing music as careers. And so I think that it becomes less of a priority to you end up playing me personally. I ended up playing music with uh, just people locally or people who, cause we weren't all living in the same city anyway. So it's, you just end up finding other people to work with. Uh, you're, you know what I mean? Like you just, yeah. and, and, and the wooden stars took like a 10 year break, whether it's a hiatus or not, they weren't really active. Exactly. Yeah. They and uh, it wasn't until pe people are different came out that they, you know, they they were off for quite a while. They didn't do much together. Um, so, but I know that I think we're all really excited about it. Like we're all trying to pick a, a cover song and uh, oh, nice. 
Actually, it's been a few weeks. I haven't heard anymore, but for a while there, everyone was sending in suggestions. I'm not going to say any of them because they're all really cool. They're all fun <laughs> ideas. And I guess I just realized I have some songs I need to learn. But right. Right. <laughs> and some of them are a little ambitious, so I better get to work. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm, that, I'm really excited on a selfish level because I think I'm going to get to see the band a couple of times. I'm so excited. I, I'm really excited and I'm kind of surprised that it's happening. And, and I'm, I think that it's... It's interesting because when we suggested the idea, a few people were like, what, you don't have a new album out or anything? Like, it's, I don't think it's going to work or whatever. And it's like, what, it, I don't know that this is the kind of thing that we need a new album out to necessarily go out and do. And, and so I'm really excited to just get together and play music. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, actually, like last year, last January, um, the album was released on, on LP, on vinyl for the first time. Right. Um, so... And that had never been out on vinyl. So that's exciting to be able to do this tour and, and sort of in support of that as well. But I think that I like the idea of trying to record something. We did a few other songs together, actually, back then in that winter. We did a few songs together that are pretty hard to find, probably, that came out on like a compilation and seven inches. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there are like three, at least, that are like songs I had written after that album that turned out pretty cool, actually. I listened to one. I think there might be, I think some of them came out on like the reissue of Loneliest in the Morning. Um, and then there oh, was like gosh. some, yeah, they're out there somewhere, but oh. I don't know exactly right now. You know, you, you said something that struck me, the the fact that you, one of the reasons you didn't contemplate this idea of recording is because you only have a couple of songs written. And I've talked to you a couple of times over the last couple of years and you've hinted at sort of a subtle retirement and I'm wondering what's going on with you are you still where's your headspace at in terms of making music well so just just to to shed some light a little bit of light on on what's been happening in the last couple years I I put out an album in 2012 October 2012 that kind of just snuck out that I feel like didn't really get a lot of attention or not that many people heard, even though I think it's like a really beautiful album. And I feel like it was like one of my best, but I don't feel like a lot of people heard it. And then the vinyl got released in the like winter of 2013. And when that record came out, it, it I really loved the record and I was kind of disappointed with where I was at at that point in my career where I was just, I think I became totally exhausted and I toured and toured and toured and toured. And I was super broke, really in debt. I owe a lot of people a lot of money. And I just kind of lost faith in doing music as a career. I I became kind of so disenchanted with the idea. And I had given it like 20 years of touring and doing music. And I just felt like I don't want to do this anymore as a career. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this as a job. Um, It was too stressful. I was always borrowing money from my parents and never having money. to. Like It just started to feel like you know, turning whatever, 40, I need to have a real job. Like, that's what I felt like. And I was getting, and and I actually lost the joy of doing music. Like, I didn't want to do it anymore. I, I, all the touring, as much as I love touring, I love touring. But for some reason, it was getting less and less, less people were coming to the shows and uh, people aren't buying records. And it was just becoming like, I lost, like I did a Canadian tour in the fall of 2012 and I lost money on a Canadian tour, like a tour that should be, if there's anywhere where I shouldn't lose money, it should be in the country that I live in where people actually know who I am. But I did. I lost a lot of money, like a couple thousand dollars touring across Canada 
I mean, it's just not, it wasn't feasible. So I kind of became like pretty disheartened and I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. And, but then I got pregnant during that tour. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, I, uh, I, all of a sudden it put me into like, go, 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 go. Okay. You're going to have a baby in July. Okay. We got a tour, 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 tour. Let's, so we went to like back across, like did another bit of Canadian touring and then we went to Europe and then we went to Japan and then we went back to Europe and then, and then I had Elsie and I think that something shifted in my head where I was like, I wasn't thinking so much about whether or not I want to do music or not. I just kind of was enjoying life so much that all of a sudden I started playing music for Elsie and playing music just to enjoy it. And I started liking playing again. And I think that's partly because I wasn't stressing myself out trying to make money doing music anymore. And I, I actually enjoy playing now. So there was a bit of a shift, but I actually chose to just not write anymore. I had nothing to write about. I wasn't feeling like I had anything I wanted to say. And, um, and now I'm just sort of enjoying, I'm really actually enjoying the way things are going. I'm enjoying life and I'm, I'm loving having like this, she's so amazing, this little baby and, and like my kids are just, I don't have to go away all the time and I get to be with my other kids and it's just better. And so now if I'm choosing to do music is because I want to, and it's not because I have to. And, and I'm really happy about that. That's great to hear. I'm so happy to hear that because I was a bit concerned the last few times I'd spoken to you just as a fan. I was out. I just was like, didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I think the last few times I spoke to you, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you you literally said that. And I mean, you didn't really, it's funny that you say, you were talking about how underpromoted the record was. Well, I don't it, even know if that's fair. I just didn't, well, I just don't feel like anyone heard it. My My point here is that in all of that conversation, <laughs> you never mentioned once the album name. Which I think as a marketing when? marketing expert just now, you didn't say that the album is so many days. Oh yes. Well I'm not a marketer, I'm a I'm a musician. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm trying to help right now. Let's get the word out about this great record. It is one of your best records. And I I think it's a crime more people don't know it. I think you're right. I don't know what happened, but it just uh... It just kind of fell through the cracks and a lot of stuff like yeah. And so now I'm feeling really, really great. And uh I'm actually the I the I'm really looking forward to I there's a few projects I think on the horizon that I don't I don't like to talk about projects before they happen because sometimes it takes years for them to happen. But right. I think there's gonna be some fun stuff coming about in the next little while. And then I'm I'm also playing in this new band that, uh, with CL called Weird Lines and it's like uh so Christopher McLaughlin and John, <laughs> John McKeel, who's awesome. Like if people don't know who John McKeel is, they need to check him out too, because he's like an East Coast guy, but seems like people like across Canada like West Coast don't necessarily know him yet. And he's James amazing. Anderson, his new EP, his new EP is fantastic. Ah, it's great. Yeah. And so he's on bass. So Christopher's on guitar, I'm on guitar, we both sing, and John McKeel's on bass. And James Anderson, who um used to be part owner of like six Nassau in the, in Kensington market who, mm-hmm. so he's on drums and really great drummer. And then our friend, Michael Duguay, who also does music um, is like doing keyboards and we have a saxophone player too, um, Chris Meany. So it's like a bit of a, it's a fun band. So we just, so far we've just recorded, um, we have like a single coming out just for sappy fest, but uh, a split single with cool. So there's that going on, which is really fun. And then um, I have a bunch of, yeah, potential projects coming up. And then, 
You're right. You know what? I should have said the album so many days when it came out in 2012. It, it's good. And that was the third album I made with Rick. And Rick and I are still supposed to be making uh, – Rick White, sorry. And we're still supposed to be doing some like like a duets album at some point. So all it, all that's required is me going to his house and then we'll make the duets album. I, I did not mean to tease you <laughs> in any way about not saying the album name. I was just oh. saying – I'm a terrible self-promoter, but I'm starting to pull things together and I'm getting a lot of work done in the last few months. Like I just did my taxes for 2010, 11, 12. And, and, or I should say not me, but my mother did. But, <laughs> um, and they're all getting like processed. I just got another letter from Canada Revenue today saying they, they just did my 2012. Amazing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Things are coming together. I'm really, really, really happy for you. You know, I care about you and, and I consider you a pal and I'm really happy to hear you uh, having fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. The shows are going to be really awesome. Right. They are. The shows are going to be awesome. I can't wait to see them. I want to tell... Wait, the shows with the Wooden Stars, the <laughs> Julie Duran and the Wooden Stars shows in August. <laughs> oh, great. Now I'm a specificity nerd. Is that what you're saying? I'm just trying to help. <laughs> no, I know. I've always appreciated your help, actually. And I also think that it's... Uh, I like that you were catching yourself. I think that's a thing I learned when I worked at CBC, because I used to do it, too, where I just speak generally about something. And right. at some point, someone would be like, yeah, no one knows what you're talking about. So- well, you know what's interesting is that I didn't mean to cut you off, but before I forget, I was taught in high school that when you're answering a question, you in- you find a way to include the question into your answer. And I, I've i actually been really conscious, conscientious, conscien- conscious of that throughout all the sort of my interviewing my interview giving career where I would always do that. Like, especially you do a lot of stuff on the radio where like, especially if they're not going to include their questions and sometimes you're told like, Oh, you're not going to hear me in the interview. So then you oh, have right, to do right, that right. anyways. And so, yeah, it just became something that I always learned how to do, like to try and find a way to include the question in the answer. So that's something I try to be aware of, but even though I w- I'm casual with you because sometimes you're, you bring that out in me. Well, we're yeah. It's, it's everybody. A, it's pretty easy for any interviewer to bring that in, out in me, I suppose. No, it's a common common issue uh, I'm having when I'm chatting <laughs> with friends for shows and interviews, uh, where you know, and sometimes it works really well, and sometimes sometimes it actually backfires because people. Yeah, were, were it's too, too much like an inside joke. Yes, exactly. It's like you're not a part of the inside joke because you weren't there. Right, and and in any case, you were great. This was great. I want <laughs> I want to tell people once again. Julie Doron and the Wooden Stars are playing a small run of shows together this August at the Arboretum Festival in Ottawa on August 20th, the Horseshoe in Toronto on August 21st, uh, La Sala Rosa in Montreal on August 22nd, and the Peterborough Folk Festival on August 23rd. For more information about this, Julie, I suppose people should visit juliedoron.com? Okay, wait, so let's... <laughs> are you signing off? Because I, I feel like there's one more thing I need to touch on. Oh, well, I was signing off, but did I get, was that stuff right? Yes, but okay, so there is no more julieduran.com. Oh. Uh, because last year when I was about to take my hiatus, my, my domain name, everything expired because I missed some payments on my credit card because my credit card was over the maximum because it wasn't working. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and so I, it all kind of like disappeared and I thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I don't need a website. So julieduran.com is no longer active. If you if you look at julieduran.com, it takes you to like a basketball Sneaker distribution company. Of course. You're, they you're, bought my domain name. Your yeah, so side business? <laughs> it makes total sense for those guys to buy my domain name, right? I mean, whatever. <laughs> so so it's funny that you should mention that because friends of mine are whipping together a website. Like basically it's gonna go online like as we speak, it's going online, but it'll be juliedwaron.ca. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of funny because you're oh no, wait, that doesn't quite work. I was gonna say you're 
you were the guy named CA, but his name's actually CL. Never mind. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't really work. But <laughs> you, should, you should try to ask them if you can get julieduaron.cl. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> that would be, what would that be, like Colombia? No, it would I be. don't know. Yeah, anyway. I'll try to think of a country that would start with. You know, okay. it's, it's funny. I normally would have checked the web. I was in a rush leaving work and I didn't, I just was like, ah, julieduaron.com. I normally check that. Oh, you were going to get a kick out of it when you finally do. <laughs> A kick. Kicks? Will I get yeah, kicks yeah, out yeah. of it? <laughs> For more information, then people should visit juliedwarren.ca. Perfect. Now, is there a song from the Julie Dwarren and the Wooden Stars record that we should play for people right now? Ooh, good question. Uh, do Gone Gone or In This Dark? Gone Gone. You want to go with Gone Gone? But do you have a choice? No, I'm. At, this is totally up to you. I don't want to. I don't want to impose my ideas. I don't what? know. Gone, gone, or sweeter. Well, you're giving me two here. Can I? Can't you? <laughs> uh, you. I. You know what? Your, inst- your instinct. Your instinct was gone, gone. I think we yeah. should go with that. Do gone, gone. Okay, and this is a song you're looking forward to playing. I assume. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing all of them. All right. <laughs> this is Gone Gone. Julie Dwarren, uh, you are a, a great person, and this was a fun interview. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Vish, and I, hopefully I won't be worried like for the next day going like, I can't believe we talked about that. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting at home going like, oh, my God, I'm not going to go on Facebook for like three days. It's fine. Everything is fine. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Vish.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.